Unleash your inner strength, master life's challenges like a Navy SEAL with these expert tips. Philip W. Kuntz offers practical lessons of peace of mind while preparing for the unknown and in overcoming adversity, he offers a Navy SEAL's advice on facing many of life's challenges. In this video, Philip discusses aspects of preparation, positivism, perseverance, pack, teamwork, and progress. Watch and learn from Philip on overcoming adversity and coming face to face with the unknown with total calm and control. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. Make sure to subscribe so you have future notifications of when we go live. And you're about to go on a wellness driven ride. the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Welcome to the show, and let me tell you a little bit about our fascinating guest today. Philip Koops, a former Navy SEAL, uses his life lessons to help others in their personal and professional lives. He is a successful motivational speaker, author of The Truth Behind My Trident, and holds a master's degree in leadership. Philip also mentors special forces candidates, volunteers, for a nonprofit that rescues children from sexual exploitation and tailors his inspiring stories to his audience. Please help me welcome the man himself, Philip. Hey, April. How you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. You are our first SEAL on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Yes. And that means I'm <laughs> first place, right? So that's, that's good. 100% always first place. And right. so I'm so excited to share with the audience a little bit about your background. I mean, it's, it's such a small percentage of the population that really is able to go through the, the training that you've gone and have that mental fortitude, etc. And not only that, but, you know, anyone who comes out through that is, you know, like yourself, 
who's really giving back, you know, you're teaching, you're coaching, you're leading others, you know, how to lead a better life, you know, through life's adversities based on what you've gone through. So let's start out by introducing yourself a little bit to the audience. Great. And hey, just as a caveat, if uh, my Wi-Fi or whatever gets a little choppy, you need for me to repeat any Anything, let me know. I'm out here in Colorado, so I'll just start there. I'm out here in Colorado in the wilderness, in the woods uh, with really crappy internet. Uh, but hey, we uh, we make the best with what we have. Uh, my name is Philip Coots. I'm out here in Colorado with my wife and five kids. I've got my own little fire team of kids that I'm so proud of. They're they're definitely ready to be out of school. They got about like one more week of school left and they're chanking at the bit. Uh, let's see. Uh, I could go into a lot of detail, but just maybe 50,000 foot view. Uh, I've got my master's in leadership. I've been a public speaker and an executive business coach for the last eight years. And uh, let's see, I have different four different presentations that I do uh, that people you know call me on. I'm pretty busy uh, traveling almost every week just around the country, uh, giving these motivational and hopefully inspiring uh, presentations. Uh, let's see, I've been out here in Colorado for about eight years now. And uh, what else do you want to know about me? Uh, the author, yeah, I've got my, my book here, The Truth Behind My Trident. I've had this yeah. uh, out and released now for like, the, for like the last four years or so. So just loving it. Yeah, really, really busy, uh, but, but loving life and, and having fun. Yeah, well, that's, that's the importance of living, right? Is that really to have fun? And so I want to jump right in. Let's do this and tell the audience a little bit about what that training is for people who don't know what it looks like. Um, when you go into, to be a Navy still walk us through that process, because there's a very extensive time period with that and an extensive journey on, you know, phase by phase by phase. Sure. So I was on SEAL team 10 for about six years. Uh, I got out for family reasons and uh, it turns out to be in a good Navy SEAL and a good dad, they're like oil and water. You know, they just they just don't mix. So I got out uh, mm. honorably discharged. Uh, I was a contractor a little bit after that. And then that's when I got my master's and everything. But yes, as far as the training goes, it is it's intense. So the first block of our training is called BUDS. And BUDS stands for Basic Underwater Demolition SEAL. And it is six months held right there in Coronado, California. And it's uh, divided into three different phases. So the first two months, the sole job of the instructors is just to get you to quit, make life as miserable as possible for you. Uh, so my, my BUDS class, 253, we started with 223 guys and we finished with 21. Wow. And uh, so the attrition rate in BUDS is around 80 to 90%. Really, really, April, depending on what time of the year, year you go through and, and really how cold the water is and Luckily, I got the bragging rights. Uh, I went through a winter class. So first phase was in November, December time frame. The Pacific was in the mid 50s at that time. So pretty darn okay. cold. Uh, second phase then is all about diving. So they teach us a scuba system. But, you know, with scuba, you can't use that for our, our clandestine maritime operations because you got have a bunch of bubbles rising to the surface, right? The bad guys are like, wait a second. <laughs> so right. uh, they teach us a second Underwater, underwater breathing apparatus called the Dreger, uh, which doesn't emit any bubbles whatsoever. So that's really cool. That second phase is all about diving. And then third phase of BUDS is all about the land. So land 
in warfare. We pick up some pistols and some rifles for the first time, really learn how to shoot like experts. We get to play with some demo, get to blow some stuff up. And uh, it's all about land navigation, land warfare. Uh, we do some field training exercises. Half of third phase is, is, is out on San, Clem uh, San Clemente Island, uh, right off the coast there of Coronado. So that's kind of buds in a nutshell, uh, if you will. And then, of course, there's, there's Hell Week. Hell Week generally falls around week four or week five, really smack dab right in the middle of first phase. And that's where about 40% of the attrition rate happens is right there during Hell Week. That's, uh, well, and then, that's, that's why it's Hell Week, right? Because they're really trying to phase out the ones yep. who, you know, you've made it through this first three. And let's see what else you got, because there's more to come, buddy. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, like, really, all I remember about Hell Week is that it was cold, dark, and wet. It was miserable. And uh, so don't don't tell my wife this. This is just between you and me and all of our listeners right now. And I'm just kidding. She knows this. But the best weekend of my life was right after Hell Week. So Hell Week is, is where we go mm. for five and a half days. It starts on a Sunday night. It ends the following Friday afternoon. That's where we go for five and a half days with two total hours of sleep. They give us one hour of sleep on a Thursday morning, one on a Friday morning. But the weekend after Hell Week was amazing because all we got to do was just eat and sleep pretty much the whole time. So when we're done with our medical checks, I uh, no joke, I polished off a large Papa John's pizza, two McDonald's Big Macs, a king-size Snickers bar, and I fell asleep for 13 hours straight. <laughs> and then it's just wow. rinse and it's just rinse and repeat through the whole through the whole weekend. So it's uh, that's, it's amazing. That's just another definition on carb up, you know, like yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, you actually lose weight in buds, believe it or not, uh, regardless of, of how much you eat, you still lose weight. We burn about 10,000 calories on an average day in buds and in Hell Week, you almost double that. It's around 18,000 calories during Hell Week. So it's just one evolution after another, after another for literally five and a half days straight. Wow. So, yep. and you know, I, I know a little bit, but not a lot. Is there, you know, cause I know they're, they're testing, mind, body, spirit, right? What's, what's yeah. the spirit aspect of that, of where you're really tested? Yeah, we call that a gut check. You know, if you really have what it takes, if you really want it bad enough, you know, if you've got the perspective, just taking it one evolution at a time. If you have really have the perspective of this is really what I want to do. They have, they do a really good job of weeding those guys out. Um, so as far as just the spirit goes, of course, you can't test that until you're actually in the adversity, until you're actually in the grind every single day. And that's really where, uh, like I said, it's, a, it's really a gut check in, in buds if, if you really want, especially during first phase there. So they, they make life as miserable as possible for you to, to really see if you've got what it takes between your two ears to mentally persevere you know, through that time, if you've got what it takes physically. And then, like you said as well, too. Uh, just on the spiritual side of too, in the spiritual, you know, kind of aspect of it, you know, the spirit, it's, uh, it, it does, it gets tested, it gets hard. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a figurative punch in the stomach every day. Let me just say that. Well, and, you know, you mentioned that Hell Week, you, you barely remember it. You did, like, it was just, it was cold and wet and awful. And so I'm sure there's so much of you that just like mentally, you can't go back and recall all of the things, but I'm, I'm also kind of curious about, um, through your training, you talked about the bubbles, right. And how 
now you have to build an awareness of what what types of things are going to notify that the enemy is there, like notify the enemy that, hey, we're here, right? So you can't have bubbles, right? right? There's a lot of things in that. I remember uh, with my police training, uh, <laughs> one of the first times, I, I mean, I had to be like super aware, but you don't know until you know, right? And you're in the training and you start learning these things. But I remember uh, I, I closed the car door a little too loud as we were at night sneaking up on a house. And just, you know, having my, my partner just give me that look, you know, like, don't fuck this up, excuse yeah. my friend, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, and not only that, but like even thinking I have my, my smartwatch. So when it lights up and yep. I can't get it to light up, but you guys, everybody knows what that is. Um, but those little things, it, you know, you can't light up because, yep. so I'm curious with all of that. Are there instances that you remember where it's obvious to you now because you've done the training, but at that moment it wasn't and you had to learn it? Oh my gosh. Like so many, so many. <laughs> yeah. That, that paying attention to detail is so yeah. unbelievably important from, yeah. I mean, how you tie your shoes to, uh, you know, where you turn in a room you know, to even the illumination aspect that you were talking about, like when we're diving, you know, we have like this, the reflection, you know, so you can't have anything that's going to be reflecting the moonlight whatsoever, you know, so you have to cover it in tape. Uh, our, <clears throat> when we're diving, we have our depth gauges and we've got our compasses and then our watches for the time. And yeah, you can't have anything that's that's going to reflect the the light. And so we have little chem lights. It's really fun. We have these tiny little chem lights, like the, the cutest little chem lights you've ever seen. They're about this big, and we put them on our watch, and then we cover it with duct tape or what we call mm -hmm. riggers tape. Uh, it's basically the same thing in the Navy. Uh, so you don't have that illumination from the top. They can't see that, but only you can see, and just illuminates it just enough for you to be able to to read your your instruments while you're while you're diving. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's drinking through a fire hose and I'm sure you can relate to that in your, in your training as well too. You know, when you're in buds, uh, it's drinking through a fire hose. When you're in SQT, that's an additional six months after buds, uh, where the, the, it stands for seal qualification training. And that the goal of SQT is to take the skills that you learned in buds and to really fine tune those skills to then prepare you to get to a seal team. And so that's six months. So that's a drinking through a fire hose experience every single day. And then you get to the seal teams and you're a new guy, you're at the bottom of the totem pole and you're, you're learning diving at a whole new level. You're learning CQC, uh, close quarter combat at a whole new level. We have winter warfare. We have land warfare uh, or Chaffee area. Uh, we've got high altitude Humvee training, mount training as well in, in, uh, in Kentucky. So, I mean, it's just, you're, you're constantly just learning, learning, learning and, and, and trying not to make mistakes. So, yeah. I mean, I could tell story upon story if you want me to, but no, <laughs> it's up to you. But I mean, it's, I, think, I can really I just think relate it's, to it. I think it's an interesting perspective that not everybody thinks about, you know, when you're, when you're in it and you're going through this stuff, it, there's so much to it. And it's, you're right. It's fire is the face. It's constant learning and, you know, failing, you, you know, mm -hmm you're, that's how it is, right? You learn when you fail. And so that's a lot of it. And can you take it? I think that's part of the training is, you know, how much can you take when, when you've failed so many times, you just keep up and keep going and keep going. 
Let's see. And that's, that's the key right there. April is a lot of people. And I actually fell into this, this trap myself. I, I started making so many mistakes. I started failing so much that I actually viewed myself as a mistake. And there's a really powerful mm -hmm. distinction there. It's subtle, but it's very powerful. You know, failing says I screwed up, but failure says I am a screw up. And if we allow that shame and that regret to really attack our identities at the, at the core of who we are and what makes us individuals and unique people, then that's when it gets really dangerous because that shame can really start to erode, you know, your, your confidence and, and it's, it's, it can be paralyzing. It can be. So, well, let's jump into that for the audience. When we, you know, whatever we're experiencing in life, we can get to that point, right? Because failure is a part of life. And in, like you said, once we start moving into that, I'm the failure and you, and you put it so heavily on yourself and moving into that shame aspect, what are some things that, you know, you've learned through all of this, through all of that adversity that you can you know, give to the audience to kind of think about and utilize? Yeah, great question. I think first and foremost, we have to realize that we have those tapes that we're playing in our mind. And I don't know about you, but a lot of us on this planet, we have this negative, these negative tapes that we play that have been spoken over us ever since we were children sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so we've been, mm -hmm. we've been playing these tapes for decades and decades of our life. And it almost becomes like a part of our personality, a part of who we are. So first and foremost, it's recognizing what are those really unhealthy uh, coping mechanisms? What are those unhealthy tapes and those messages that self-talk that we have that, that really start to, to impact us? And then once you've realized it, then it becomes a lot easier, but you have to, you have to have good EQ or emotional intelligence. You really have to know who you are, what, what really kind of makes you up, right? And have that awareness of knowing, okay, I'm starting to fall into that trap again. I'm not going to go down that road, but instead I'm going to speak positively to myself. I'm going to speak truth to myself. This is who I am. Sometimes I, as a, as a business coach and a life coach, I even tell my, my clients and I do this too. I'm like, Hey, that's sticky note worthy right there. Write that down, put it on the mirror, put it on the mirror, you know, in your bathroom, put it somewhere in your car, put it on your computer, wherever you're going to see it several times a day, because those truths are priceless. Those truths are the ones that we want to cling to. And really it's called cognitive reconditioning really start to form those new neurological pathways in our brain where mm -hmm. we can start thinking more positively and really start to adopt and, and adapt the, the truth, right? Really about us to, to help us combat those lies and some of the, the, uh, the, the negative, the negative tapes that we have in our minds and we all have them too. So if you're listening right now and you're like, well, I've got a lot of those join the crowd. I've got those too, that I still <laughs> struggle with. So. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a constant, right? That, I mean, we, we always have to bring ourselves back to, I love that you brought up emotional intelligence because it's one thing to have the, the physical strength to do things and to show up that way. And it's a totally another thing when, um, you have that emotional intelligence aspect. I love how you show up because you're such a down to earth guy I mean, even though you come from the military background, people could have a lot of observations or thoughts on what that looks like. And, and you really show up very well, which is why you're able to coach others in the world and be such a great leader. 
Yeah. Yeah. I tell people all the time, April, I said, Hey, 80% of life is just showing up, you know, just show up. And the other 20% is, you know, what we have to work on and how we can grow as, as individuals and as people and as fathers and as husbands and as wives and mothers, you know, uh, there's a lot of growth in life, but 80% of it is just, it's showing up and it's the willingness to want to grow and the willingness to want to, to learn and to better yourself. A, a lot of us get stuck, like, as we're just bebopping through life, you know, it's like quicksand, you know, we just get stuck in this quicksand and it's very subtle. It's it's hard to recognize sometimes when we're stuck, and uh, and that's that's where that emotional intelligence comes in uh, to really identify. Oh wow, I'm I'm kind of in a really challenging season right now. I'm battling with a lot of these things. I've started to to develop some pretty unhealthy uh, habits in my life, or even coping mechanisms, right? That we uh, we want to turn towards. That we're all tempted to turn towards to help numb the pain, right? That we're going through. Uh, so it's, it's recognizing that recognizing, no, I, I picture a stop sign. I, I, I kid you not. I've got five S's when it comes to really stopping myself and, 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 and redirecting myself. But the second one is, is stop the word stop. And I literally picture a stop sign. I'm like, nope, eh, like stop, not going there, you know, not going down that road because there's nothing but negativity, destruction, and a lot of, a lot of pain, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so I'll go into our first commercial, give you a moment to take a drink and everything. But when we come back, I want to talk about just that, uh, you know, how easy it is to fall into depression when we're making transitions into something else. So you talked about, you know, you left maybe a little earlier than you wanted to. I, I don't know, but because you had a family and like you said, it, it's really, it doesn't really make any sense to be living this life and trying to be the the family man, the father at the same time. And so when we get back, let's talk a little bit about that. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system. And know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Hello, everyone. I am Kim Jacobs, the host of The Kim Jacobs Show, and you all know who's right here with me, Dr. Les Brown. How are you, Dr. Brown? I'm blessed and highly favored. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time you want to give yourself a competitive edge. If you got a message, you have some knowledge or experience, a story, or if you want to do something adventurous and exciting with your life that can increase your credibility, expose you to millions of people, I'm encouraging you to have your own talk show. I used to have a talk show. That one talk show 
catapulted me to another level. Now there are more people watching the internet, as you are aware, than television. Yes. Come on, somebody. That's right. Dr. Kim Jacobs, she trained people on how to have their own talk show. She will train you how to do that. And now with me working, partnering with her, now you have the combination of an audience, expansive audience. We have over 4 million people in all of our platforms and the coaching you need to grow your business, to grow your multi-level marketing organization, to draw more attention to yourself in this noisy economy. Go ahead, Kim. So in the training that I do, Les, I actually do a six-week training. It's one hour per week. And each week I meet with the individuals one-on-one. -on -one. We go through and we talk about all of the things that's necessary for a show to become a reality. We go from how to actually identify your focus area, what's going to be your ideal customer that's going to be tuning in. We'll talk about how to get guests, how to get sponsorship how to go about getting your lighting, your branding, and your banners, and everything that you need to know. And guess what, Les? They right. own their own content at the end of the day. And that's exciting. Now, if you're ready to, to, to create a shift in your business and in your life and increase your cash flow, I want you to go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. It's right there on the screen. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. That's KimJacobsConsulting.com. Did I say KimJacobsConsulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. That's my story. And that's Kim's story. And we're sticking to it. Bye for now. Bye-bye. All right. One of my coaches, and speaking of great coaches, here we are back with Philip Kuntz. And so let's dig in a little bit on transition. And I like that we brought up emotional intelligence because I feel you have to have an immense amount of emotional intelligence to, to make transitions a little more, you know, flow well, because when we're used to something and a certain lifestyle for so long, it's really ingrained. And when we shift to something else, even though it's with great intentions, you know, I want to show up now and be more a part of my family. Uh, but yet it, it is, it, it's a death of sorts, you know, and I'm sure that you experienced that. I know that I did when I transitioned outside of law enforcement into this other world um, what was that like for you? Uh, wow. It was hard. It was hard. There's a lot of military members, law enforcement, first responders, you know, people in the medical world, every, everybody, you know, if you do something long enough, it becomes a part of who you are. It becomes a part of your identity. And yeah. when you transition out of that, 
you have a loss of identity, you know, and some people really struggle with that. I, I, I know I did. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm no longer, you know, a Navy SEAL, even though, you know, like once a Navy SEAL, always a Navy SEAL kind of thing. But I'm like, I'm never going to be able to operate again, you know, and and mm-hmm. some of the the physical ailments that I had just from my training. Uh, I've, I've got a couple herniated discs in my lower back. My labrum is torn 340 degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just some things that physically I'm not able to do anymore either. And, and that transition was really, was really hard for me. I think one of the things it was a, a turning point for me. I, I really had a, what I call a come to Jesus moment where I had to give myself permission to have a bad day. You know, I was so used to just telling everybody, hey, I'm good, especially in the SEAL teams. I'm good. I'm oh, good. Yeah. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, just leave me alone. Right. And I think even I like, as as a man, you know, like yeah. how we're we're raised and absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to really come to terms with it's OK to not be OK. Yeah. And that was hard for me to struggle with. It might it might seem, you know, elementary. It might seem kind of obvious. But, man, it was it was revolutionary for me when I just had to give myself permission to be, a, to have a bad day and, and, and realize, come to the realization that it's okay to not be okay. And, you know, I was struggling with some things with some PTSD when I came out and had to go see a counselor, right. And get some tools in my yeah. figurative tool belt. I had to go, you know, do EMDR, you know, to really help work through some of my issues from my times of being in the SEAL teams and seeing what I saw and experiencing what I experienced. So, you know, the, the VA has done a, a good job with the mental, you know, health, I, I think over the last 10 years, I think they've gotten a little bit better with that. So yeah, I just give your, give yourself permission to, uh, to not be okay and, and, and reach out, reach out to professionals to be able to really help, help you. But I, I, I did April, I went through a pretty significant grieving process and, and it's interesting, the grieving that I went through, I had to grieve the loss of opportunity. You know, I wasn't, I, I've been through a lot of grieving with loved ones in my, in my past and I've grieved a lot of, of things, but, but that was foreign to me, you know, grieving the loss of opportunity. And that was pretty significant. And just to be honest with you, I still struggle with it. I mean, every yeah. single day, if I think, if I think about, if I think about it long enough, I actually have guilt still, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't serve uh, long enough, you know, in a number of years, I didn't serve long. I didn't stay in long enough. I, I didn't go on enough missions, you know, I, I didn't have enough deployments, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, I think I just probably struggle with and have to deal with for, for the rest of my life. But, you know, when you have that certain personality of like that warrior spirit inside of you, which I know you do. And then all of a sudden you're like thrown into civilian life and you're like, what is going on? You know, it, you really have that, that identity crisis of like, well, now what the F do I do with my life? You know? And so yeah. I, I had, I had my family, you know, I, I knew I was a father. So so for those of you listening, I think it's really important. One of the exercises I walk through with my clients initially is, is your values. What are your, what are your very core values? What are three core personal values and professional values? And I think that that really helped anchor me uh, because, you know, family was, was definitely one of those. And so, you know, my faith as well definitely helped anchor me in those times where I was struggling with my identity and, and that sort of thing. So something greater than yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, and- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, and that's, you know, I'm a public speaker now. And so, you know, in my mind, not to discount what I do, but I'm like, I'm not over there, like literally ridding the world of evil, you know, which is the highest calling that I think that I could have. But at least right now, my, what wakes me up and gets me out of bed in the morning, that perspective, that higher calling is I want to make a positive lasting impact in the lives of everyone that I talk to. And so that's, that's kind of more of my higher calling professionally, at least. And then of course, on a personal level, it's, you know, being the very best dad and and husband and in person that I can be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're, you're in good company there. I relate so much to, to what you're saying and the identity crisis. And, and that could happen with anything, like you said, with anything that people have done for a long time. Um, you know, whether we've had, you know, even with a move, you know, you could make it very simple, but you know, it just depends on our perception, you know, and how we're handling that, but it can have a huge impact. Uh, I remember, I, I just think it's funny when you say coming from, you know, a certain field and then going into the civilian world and how different that is. And I just remember, uh, driving in my personal vehicle and seeing somebody make an offense. And I, and I went and I put my hand down to turn my lights and sirens on. <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, that's yeah. not there. But it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, it takes a while to learn a new way of life and to be able to utilize the resources. Um, I love that you've shared that. Thank you so much for being vulnerable in that aspect, because what's, what's powerful about it, Philip, is that you realize you're not alone. And then we get that connection piece where, where we're all living this very human experience. Huge. So, yeah, that that, that, yeah. That, that connection and vulnerability and transparency is huge. One of the things that I one of the drums that I like to beat a lot is, is that teamwork is that pack, you know, your pack. Who yes. are the four or five people? It doesn't take a whole, whole lot of people. But who are the three, four or five people in your life that you can really, you know, call on at two, three o'clock in the morning and just let them know, hey, you know what? I'm not I'm not doing very good and, and I need some help. Yeah, I love that. I, I watched another segment on you. You compared it to a trampoline. You want to say that? Oh, yes, yeah, yours. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I picture my pack is, you know, like with a trampoline, every trampoline needs at least four or five legs in order to keep it up and stable, right? And, and similarly, as human beings, we are all created to live and thrive in community. We all need each other. We're not meant to to shoulder as leaders or as as, as moms and dads and, and, and spouses. I mean, we're, we're not meant to shoulder all the responsibility. We're not meant to shoulder all the oh, all the, the the commitments, you know, and, and, and the stress and the anxiety. It's we can't. Which is one of the reasons why COVID was so hard because we're all quarantined, right? But I mean, it's we're not meant to as human beings to shoulder all of that. So yeah, the trampoline, four or five legs of the trampoline. So who are, who are the legs of your trampoline? Absolutely. I I love that, that metaphor and how you put that. I'm going to go ahead and put this up on the screen. This is empowering transitions, life coaching. This is one of our sponsors, Hillary Hill. She's a transitioning life coach and she actually specializes with military transitions. She's very well versed in that. And so if anyone listening is a veteran or they're making any sort of transitions in life, she's an incredible resource. You can find her at Hillary at empowering transitions, LC.com. So 
I'll leave that up there for a little bit since we're on the topic. I also want to go back on that value statement because I think that it's very important. You know, you talked about how the importance of really knowing and, and taking some time to understand what our, you know, core values are. Um, Brant Menswar, who was on the show uh, earlier this week or last week, and he does a really good assessment, but he also, you know, hones in on the importance of finding those core values. Yep. Yep. It's huge. It is. I I was going to say too, uh, if you're struggling, like what are my core values? There's a lot of core values that you can Google, you know, there's sheets and everything that you can Google. And the, the hardest part of that, cause there's like 50 or 60 of them is narrowing it down to, right. to your top three that really define you, who you are personally. And then three that define you professionally as well too. And, and one other thing real quick, April, and I'm, I'm sure Hillary does this too. I do this with my life coaching clients, but uh, as far as EQ goes or emotional intelligence, you know, if people are out there kind of scratching their head, like, you know, this is a buzzword, you know, I'm, I've been hearing this a lot, but like, how in the world do I gain EQ, right? I mean, is that like a light switch? Like, does yeah. flip it on? Like, all of a sudden, I've got emotional intelligence. Well, I'm a really practical guy. So, the first step that I would recommend, there are a lot of free personality tests that are out there. And the four personality tests that I encourage and I have all of my clients work through and then I go through uh, those results with them with a fine tooth comb. And that really helps to to build your awareness of who you are and how you are made and what is what are the unique aspects of your personality. So the four tests, uh, the one is the Enneagram. The mm, second one is the yeah. DISC profile. The third one is the strength finders, the Gallup strength finders uh, test. And then the fourth one is, is the 16 PI. Uh, they used to be known as the Myers-Briggs. So those are the four personality tests and, and they're all free online unless you want to you know, pay for the full report kind of thing, uh, which they're not really all that expensive. But, but that will give you a good baseline of really knowing, okay, like, wow, I actually learned some, some new things about myself. And as you're learning more about yourself, guess what? you're gaining and increasing your EQ, your emotional intelligence. Oh, that's a brilliant way to put it. You're right. I mean, that's a, that's just a basic, brilliant way to put it. As you learn about yourself, you're gaining emotional intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> As simply put, I love it. Um, good way to put it. So let's talk a little bit about your book. Uh, you, you named the book. Oh, no, no, I don't have it. You know it. The truth behind my trident. Yeah. So I, I would love to know a little bit about just, just give a couple of juicy details on what that is, what, what you expose. And also I'm very curious about the trident and the meaning behind that, because there's a lot of different things and there's even some, you know, key phrases that the military uses with it. Yeah, sure. So let me ask, I'll answer the second question first to, to preface the book, because a lot of people are like, the truth behind my what? <laughs> like, right. What's a trident? like? So uh, I actually have with me today on the show the very first trident that I was ever pinned. So this is our military insignia. Love that. Let me, let me uh, put you on and so we can zoom in on that. There we go. Hold, hold it a little bit closer. There it is. So that's the very first trident I was ever pinned. Uh, we like to call this our bird or our Budweiser. 
And this is what distinguishes us from other branches of the military, along with distinguishing, you know, our, our job or our rate in, in the military as well, too. The Trident. So SEAL, if, if, if those of you listening thought that Navy SEALs were named after the animal, and unfortunately, that's not accurate. So SEAL is an acronym. We love our acronyms in the military. So mm -hmm. SEAL stands for Sea, Air and Land. So there's four of those words and there's four images in the trident to represent those. So for the C, there is uh, Poseidon's pitchfork right there or the actual trident. Uh, there's the anchor, uh, which is right here, the anchor for C. Uh, the eagle stands for air. And then the eagle is holding a flintlock pistol in his talons. And that and that represents the land. So those are the four components uh, that are in the trident, this, the sea, air and land. Uh, so that's that's our it's our military insignia. Uh, and so the truth behind my trident is uh, basically, April, I wrote the book I wish I would have read before going into the military. <laughs> it's one of those. Nice. It wouldn't have discouraged me from going into the military uh, in, into the SEAL teams, but it would have helped me go in with with eyes wider open, maybe like what to expect. So. Yeah. You know, Hollywood, Hollywood does a really good job of portraying the missions of SEALs, right? A lot of us have seen yeah. Zero Dark Thirty and Lone Survivor and 13 Hours, Active Valor, you know, all of that. But I, I actually pushed the figurative pause button one day and I'm like, hold on a second. This is all of what Hollywood is portraying right now. Uh, but that and I calculated this out. And that's only three percent of our time is actually boots on the ground conducting our missions. And that's right. all. And that, that's strange. basically all. Yeah, that's all that Hollywood is really portraying. Our you know, what is the Never term? You you don't rise to the level of your courage. You fall to the level of your training. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So in my book, I wanted to capture the other 97% of our time, which is pr in preparation and training for the 3% of our time that's actually spent boots on the ground conducting our missions. And I just, I, I like to pull back the curtain a little bit and show the general public what an average day in the life of a Navy SEAL looks like as, as I walk through my own journey uh, a little bit before, mostly during my time in the SEAL teams and then a little bit afterwards. Yeah. So I, I'm curious too about the Trident. Um, well, let's start with this. Cause I, as, as I was researching it a little bit, they, they have this term. I don't, and I don't know if I'm a fan of it yet, but I'm curious what, what that meaning is, but they call it a, the chicken on a fork. Is that what it's called? <laughs> have you heard? Have, I'm sure you've heard that, but I, I'm just curious. What that. That. Yeah, I have heard that, but, but, but seals team guys, we don't, we don't use that. Our nicknames oh, for, for our, Oh, yeah, our, our <laughs> chicken Thanks on a fork. It's been, that. it's been a very, that's a, a flashback for me, right? A, a trip down memory lane. So, yeah, I, I have heard that. It's been a while since I've heard that. But uh, our bird is what we call it, or our Budweiser is what our nicknames that, that yeah. we as, as seals call and refer to our tridents. And so when we, we look at a trident, it has the three prongs. And it seems to me that, that the three just comes up so often. I know that you utilize the number three throughout your training, the three things, right? Um, you have the three phases and there's also, um, I don't know, three, three, three tactics. The threes just seem to come up over and over. Is there any more, is there a deeper root from where that stems, the number three? That's a great question. I've never been asked that in the eight years I've been doing this. Um, just, I just I, was curious. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, 
you know, uh, the perfect comes up a lot, though, doesn't it? The per, yeah, the perfect set of three and is the, tr the Trinity, I guess. Right. But yeah, I mean, yeah. even our AARs are after action reviews. We could talk about that as far as a really good practical life life uh, discipline to use. But we ask ourselves three basic questions. Right. What went right? What went wrong? And how can I improve? You know, so yeah. we do use three a lot. Come to think even of it. when uh, you deliver tactically. You know, yeah. what, is, what is it? Uh, something you, you can say it because I don't know it. Oh, sh uh, sh well, yeah, we have shoot, move and communicate. So that's right. those are three that we that we often. Yeah, that we often say as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, it just comes up so much. And three is easy, you know, easy to remember. Oftentimes when we're thinking of things or we want to, you know, have something repetitive in our mind, we use either three to five. Right. But we don't usually go more than that because the brains don't, it doesn't stick as much. Right. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I just was curious about that. Um, yeah. I also want to talk a little bit about, you know, it's kind of going back into the community aspect that, you know, I just think that that community part is so important and you, you frame it in the way of who's got your six. Yeah. Or who's got your, who's got your back. Some people are like, why, what's six? Like what that, what's that all about? But if you picture a, if you picture a clock, right, 12 o'clock is at the top and that's the direction that we're walking is the 12 o'clock position. So who's got your six, meaning who's got your back. So that that six o'clock position in the clock is the one that's going to be behind you. So who's got your back? Yeah, it's a, it's a big one. And, and we definitely have to have each other's back and trust each other, especially when we're in combat, when you have bullets flying by your head, you know, you, you need to make sure that your oh, brothers yeah. have your back and that you can trust each other. Absolutely. And, you know, in putting that into everyday life, it's just, yeah, again, having those those five people that that really you can call up at 2 a.m. So tell me a little bit about um, tactical knives. You've gone into that and you you have you have another that, that's just another way that you show up. And by the way, I think that what you've done when you when you say that when we talk about the death of leaving something and you feel like, you know, I've, I had the death of opportunity, but I feel like you've really in a great way created so much more door openings for yourself and the opportunities for yourself. And I know that it feels different, right? When you're not out there saving the world where that that's has that deeper soul meaning to you. But but you really have opened up so many other doors. And so you have another business, you know, with the tactical knives and then you're a speaker and you do so many other things. You've written the book and you give that way. Uh, tell us a little bit about the tactical knives and how you got into that. And I'm just curious when when you came out of the military life, you know, when you were thinking about, OK, what can I do and how can I show up in order to feel fulfilled? Yeah. So I think a lot of life is really just seizing the moment, seizing the opportunities. And it can be terrifying in the moment. You know, change as human beings is hard yeah. and it's it's scary sometimes. But being willing to take the risks and, and, and learn from the mistakes is huge. So, you know, when I when I got out, I was a contractor for a little while. I was on Fort Bragg. 
and uh, teaching sensitive site exploitation. And then uh, after that, I actually became a pastor. So, you know, that door opened. I was like, let's do it, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and so I became a pastor for about four years. And then how, as I was towards the tail end of, of uh, my speaking or sorry, of my of my train, my my schooling, that's the word I was looking for, my schooling, uh, my dad calls me. So I'm almost done with my master's in leadership. Uh, my dad calls me and he's like, hey, you're, you know, you have an interesting background. He, my dad was a financial advisor. He's like, hey, could I fly you back out to Cincinnati, spend some time with us, and, and could you do a client appreciation event for me? And I'm like, you know, what's a client appreciation, dad? But, but sure, if you're going to pay me, that sounds great, right? And so, <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, my dad was my first client in my public speaking business. And, you know, I was there and I was doing, I was nervous as hell, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I can do this. But then it's like, okay, some of the feedback afterwards, it's like, hey, do you have a business card? And I'm like, I need one of those, you know? And so I just kind of built it. I just kind of built it from there, you know, and started networking with other people. And my goal, one of my goals, professional goals was to, to have one speaking engagement lead to at least one more. You know, and so that's kind of how I've built my network, uh, so to speak, for the last eight years. And then this is kind of a cool story. So you're talking about my knife company. I kind of fell into that one as well, too. Uh, so a karambit knife and I'll, I've got my karambit, my trusty karambit here, uh, our karambit knife. This was my tertiary weapon in the SEAL teams. And uh, it's called yeah. a karambit because it's got a, a hawk bill shape blade to it. Yep. We say we sell sharp things with rings, so it's got a ring as well. Uh, and I use this in the SEAL teams. It's got a little pocket catch right here. It's called the Emerson Wave. So it, it catches on your pocket as you're pulling it out, catches on your pocket and opens up. So now, can that be used as also, um, I, I love it, by the way. It reminds me very much of a, a knife I had when I was on duty. And can yeah. is that like a glass breaker as well? Yeah, there, there's actually a lot of law enforcement that use our karambits. Yeah. So, yeah, I love it. Uh, it, it's, be, it's, it's, it can be used as a, yeah, the finger ring right here can be used as a, you know, a less lethal kind of self-defense, you know, impact yeah. weapon. Uh, it can be used to to break glass. It can be used to cut seatbelts, you know, if you're in an accident and you can't. I did it. I saved a man's yeah. life with my knife, cutting that's a seatbelt awesome. and get, getting him out of the car. Yeah. So, so that's why I'm a huge proponent of knives, you know, good yeah. ones. Yeah. All right, so we have it live right now. I want to ask you to do a testimonial for us then for Karambit. <laughs> I guess those are. Those I are will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You you gotta have you gotta have a way to to break a window, yep. and a way to cut a seatbelt. That knife has to be sharp, yep. and I mean it's got to do the trick, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. literally, my knife helped me save this man's life. It was a it was yep. a tool that I needed and I used, and the knife is. It matters. The type of knife, the tactical aspects of it, all of the things that it provides, that little the hole, you yep. know, yeah, it yep. all matters. You know, being able to have it in the right space where you can get it right away and be able to utilize it quickly, yep. that all makes a difference. It does. And it's a great everyday carry for me as well, too. Uh, yeah. So I'm opening up boxes with this thing. Uh, cutting food with it. I was literally just separating my kids' Legos the other day as I was playing with them. You know, they come to me like these Legos are stuck dead. Like, you know, as so I'm popping the Legos off. So I'm used, I'm pulling this thing out all the time. But speaking of pulling it out all the time, so as I'm, you know, presenting, 
in my you know public speaking career uh, i'll talk about the three lines of gear that we have i travel with my gear and people love to hold the the helmet and the and the body armor and my age gear and, and to look at the stuff and and so i'm pulling out my knife and you know so i i was doing it pro probably the first couple of years and inevitably men and women are coming up to me afterwards like hey that's a really cool knife like where can i get one of those so light bulb goes off in my brain the entrepreneur side i guess and, mm -hmm. and i'm like i just need to start buying a ton of these and selling them at my speaking engagements because there's a lot of knockoffs of, of mm -hmm. karambit knives and uh and so i'm selling them you know buying a bunch and selling them and and uh in about five years in i get a phone call from the owner of karambit tactical knives this was in august of 2020 mind you okay april so this is like in the middle of covid he calls me up and he's like hey you've been a really loyal customer of mine phil uh, you know, I'm selling the business. I've had it for about seven years. I'm just kind of getting tired of it. What do you think? Do you want a shot at it? So I thought about it literally oh, for wow. like two seconds and I'm like, hell yeah, I want a <laughs> shot at this. Right. Yeah. So definitely prayed about it a lot. And I'm like, okay, this is a huge decision. I like, talk about risky, you know, I'm buying this like million dollar business in the middle of COVID. Like this is either going to be the best decision or the worst decision I've ever made in my life. So yeah. my business partner, William Simpkins, he's a financial advisor in the Ashburn, Virginia area. So he, we're both uh, co-owners. He's more of like the, the, the CFO. He handles all the money side of everything, but we've been owning, uh, owned and operated now uh, for about the last 20 months. So we are the, uh, the world's largest distributor of Karambit tactical knives and it's been a wild ride. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, our website is karambit.com. So it's K-A-R-A-M-B-I-T, karambit.com. That's our website. Uh, and we have, uh, not, not to turn this into an infomercial, but we've got over 100 products ranging from $10 all the way up to $1,700. So uh, yeah, if you want to pick up a karambit. Uh, how about this? Exclusively for the people who are listening, right now uh enter the discount code cutting edge to save 10 percent off just for just for this uh just for this live video session that we're doing here uh cutting edge and that'll see all right hold on i'm putting it in there you go <laughs> all right does it have to be in caps or anything nope it's all it, it uh, either all caps or all lowercase it doesn't matter all right and it's uh k-a-r-a-m-b-i-t correct Correct. Yep. So say that in the phenomic alphabet for me. Okay. Go ahead. I'm going to put uh, you on King the spot. Adam, Robert, Adam, Michael, boy, Ida, Tom, but it's different in law enforcement. <laughs> Everybody knows this. I know you're laughing at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. However, like um, so that's cool that you're offering that because we, we had a comment come in. Is there a mother's day sale on these knives? There is. Um, there is. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, so I believe it's, it's, uh, it's an additional 10%. It might be 10% or 12% off but it's mother i think the discount code is mother's 10 but you guys can find that on the website yep yep okay great i mean let's well, face it every, I, every mom every mom needs a knife right i mean yeah everybody my, my, needs a knife well my no, wife loves in the hands my of wife certain loves people. these yeah yeah no my wife loves these she's a marathon runner and she'll you know carry one while she's out on a run especially when she's outdoors you know with with uh just all the shadiness that's going on in our world today so she definitely feels a lot safer carrying her cram her tagline is chicks carry karambits too and i was like i love that <laughs> <laughs> i do too well thank you so much for sharing that aspect yeah. you know i i wanted to bring it in because 
you know, of my personal story. And so you're, you're just doing a lot of cool things, you know, that, that I love. And I wanted to give shout outs to, um, tell me, is there, is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Uh, well, first and foremost, I would just like to thank the veterans, uh, that are on the call. So thank you guys uh, very much. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people come up to me and they're like, Phil, sometimes just saying thank you to somebody in uniform, or if I know that they've served, sometimes just saying thank you doesn't really seem like enough. And, you know, I, I get that. And so what I, I tell my people, I say, you know, just if, if you, you know, thank them for their service, that's awesome. But then say, and by the way, will you tell your family thank you for me as well? Because they're oftentimes the, the husbands, the wives, and the children that are at home, you know, left holding the ball and all the responsibilities and making sure everything works properly and everything runs smoothly. They have a big responsibility as well, too. So uh, I just want to thank all the veterans that are out there and thank you to your spouses and your children, your families who, who are holding down the fort, you know, while, while you're gone. So uh, thank you. Yeah. Yes. And I didn't say that to you either. Thank you so much for your service, sir. You're welcome. Absolutely. Um, I have another comment that came in. Uh, it goes back to the training. It says, considering a small percentage of people can be SEALs, his new mission helps share that training with the world. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. That's good encouragement for me. Yep. Yeah, I like that too. Oh, well, it has been such a pleasure having you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. And I want to make sure that the audience knows that we can, um, it's it's posted in the description of this where you can find more on Philip's website and his where you can find him and connect with him. And we'll make sure that we put the Karambit in there as well. I'll go back and do that. And most of you are going to be watching this replay. So if you have any comments, leave them in the comments section below and we will get back to you. And again, thank you so much for your time and being on the show. And if there's nothing else, then we'll say goodbye for now. Yeah, I guess you just have to have me back again because I got lots to say. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I would, I would love to have you back. It's, it's been a pleasure and a joy. Yeah. And I know there's so many more great stories that you can share. Yeah. I mean, even just about personal self-care, so huge, you know, resting and taking that time for, to recharge and energize yourself for at least 30 minutes to an hour every day. I mean, there's just so many things that sometimes we just, you know, we meet the needs of everybody else, you know, we get caught up in the moment, you know, and it's just so hard sometimes to hit that pause button, focus on ourselves for a little bit, get what we need, you know, realize that we're stuck. So yeah. Anyways, I could go on and on. And on well, but, Hey, and let's dig into it a little bit. We can, we can stay on just a few. Why not? How sure. about, um, what, what are you, now that you've really dived deep into parenthood, mm -hmm. you know, that's a totally different, <laughs> Wow. Right. You know, you, especially with five self care, what does that mean to you while also serving others and, and the importance of that, you know, and taking time for yourself? Yeah, it's 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 one of the biggest things and one of the biggest lessons that I've had to to learn and to teach myself. So I would say I like to I like to view a bucket. Right. So if you can if you can picture as soon as you wake up in the morning every day, your bucket is full. 
and all throughout the day as you're meeting the needs of others, as you're serving others, making sure other people have what they need, you know, you're taking scoops out of that bucket. And if you don't have great self-care, if you don't take time to to meditate, if you don't take time to pray, if you don't take time to, to do something like go to the gym or go on, walk your dog or read a book for all the introverts out there, right? If you don't do something to really re-energize yourself or to fill your bucket, then guess what happens? At the very end of the day, you're on fumes. You don't have anything left to give. And especially if you're coming home at that point, then your fuse is a lot shorter with, with your family. Uh, you start to get more into that negative loop in your mind. And it's, it's really a pretty destructive place to be in. And so having opportunities every day, 30 minutes to an hour to, to be able to rest, take a nap. You know, as SEALs, I don't know if you knew this, April, but as SEALs, we actually take prolific naps. So before our mission, we'll have uh, this little this little disc that we put on our wrists and it, it communicates to our parasympathetic nervous system. It's called the new calm. And in about 40 minutes, it's, it's equivalent to about three to four hours of deep REM sleep. And so when there is time, and oftentimes there is, we'll do a new calm session. We, we actually take a nap and it's Research has shown it's the equivalent of drinking 12 cups of coffee. And so it's just, it, it, it does so much for us. I mean, take a siesta, right? I mean, that's what it is. Like uh, some of the most brilliant minds in history have taken naps, have taken opportunities throughout yeah. the day, uh, chunks you know, of opportunities throughout the day to really make sure that they're getting what they need so they're not running on fumes and end up, here's a dangerous word in the workforce nowadays, it's so real, but they don't end up burning themselves out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, you're not, you're not wrong. We could really dive so much deeper into this and, and the science behind it all. I think one of the unique things that, that a lot of people don't know is, is when you, when you're going through this extensive training, you really have to start learning all of the science behind how we are able to perform at our best and how we're able to show up. I mean, I, I recall one of the biggest lessons that I learned and I carry it with me today and it has helped me through so many traumatic events is, is calming yourself down and because you have to, like I said, you, you don't rise to your bravery, right? You fall to the level of your training. And so when you're in the middle of, you know, holding somebody at gunpoint and you have to respond that way, nothing's working. Your motor skills are not there and, and you're freaking out. So the importance of calming yourself down and doing things such as breathing exercises yeah. to help lower that heart rate is essential. And that's something that we can carry with us you know, in our everyday lives, whether we're sitting in traffic and we're freaking out over that and we have to be somewhere and everything is moving so fast and you're in this high stress, uh, you know, you're showing up in that high stress moment, learning how to calm ourselves down, taking naps, the science behind that. And, you know, so tell me, is there, I think you mentioned a time, but are there, are there times that for taking naps that help you perform better? I think you might have said that, but I missed it. My fault. Yeah, nowadays, 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So in between speaking engagements, I'll, I'll take a little, you know, siesta and it really helps energize me for, you know, for the evening kind of thing. I've also learned how to, to breathe as well too. So they're starting yeah. to teach that in the SEAL teams, which is huge and in the proper way to breathe, right? If I was to tell everybody on the call today, Hey, go ahead and just take a deep breath for me. 99% of people you would see their chest rise yeah. and then fall, yeah. right? And unfortunately, we're, we're just conditioned to breathe that way. You know, no one knows like where that transition is from being a child into an adult where we start to breathe through our chest. But if you walk around, if you walk around and you see toddlers, right? Like if you're at the swimming pool and you see toddlers, they have these big bellies, right? Because they're breathing through their bellies. That's yeah. how we're supposed to breathe. And when we do that, our brain re releases a lot of, of, of serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin. It's a lot of those feel good type of chemicals. Uh, and, and it's really like a light switch. You know, if you're stressed out and you have a lot of that cortisol running through your body, if you learn how to breathe properly and you've developed the muscle memory behind breathing properly, it'll instantly turn that, that, that flood of cortisol off and really release a lot of those, those chemicals. And, and it, it really does work. It's not voodoo, right? It's, it's not hocus yeah. pocus. It, it's not magic, right? It, it really, it really does work. And that was, I referred earlier in the, in the show about some of the tools that I had to keep in my, my figurative tool belt that I learned and breathing was, was one of those. It's a huge one. It is. It, it is that, that really was one of the biggest things. Um, to help calm down and, and bring you back to be able to respond <laughs> properly and effectively. And uh, Manly brought in the comment on combat, breathe and focus. So on combat is a book that was one of the books that I really, really enjoyed as I was, you know, researching and trying to better myself. I'm sure you're familiar with that too. It's like, how do I continue to, to just learn and grow and be better, show up better. And a lot of that's through books and, you know, what has worked for other people learning about that emotional intelligence aspect. So yeah, the, the, the breath is, is really important. And then you, you start learning about things that Wim Hof has done and, you know, I'm surprised. I'm very curious now, even more curious. You said that they're starting to do breath work uh, now in the seals. Are you telling me that they weren't, doing that when you were training this is something that's new it, it is a lot of the wow. mindfulness a lot of the mindfulness meditation aspect you know of it like when you come back from a mission you know and you're still keyed up you're you got the adrenaline still going through your body and you're having a hard time falling asleep i mean a lot a lot of the mindfulness meditation and uh some of the stuff that wim hof talks about actually too some of the cold water exposure you know they're starting to do and and the heat exposure yeah. as well too and the benefits from that i mean that's a whole nother episode right that i've been i've been working on and e even something as easy as is drinking water you know throughout the day is huge one of my goals is to drink half of my body weight in fluid ounces so i'm drinking just under a hundred fluid ounces of water every day and that's made a huge impact impact on on that afternoon lull where I used to drink a cup of coffee. Now, if I stay hydrated, I'm like, wow, I, I actually have a lot of energy and I don't get that that afternoon slump. So just little things, little things like yeah. that that we can do physically that really make a big difference. Yeah. So mindfulness, meditation, water, being outside, physical activity, those are all good things. And yeah, uh, breathing properly. And always, and always agreeing with always agreeing with my wife. I would add that too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, honey. Yes, dear. Yeah. 
It does. It <laughs> yeah. does help when we when we are able happy, to have happy good life, relations. Happy life. That's right. Yeah. That's Can right. you say that again? I didn't hear. Yeah. Happy wife. Get your husband down here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> happy wife. Happy life, buddy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Cool. Cool. Well. Anything else you want to talk about and share? Because I, I could keep going too. I think everybody's probably tuned out at this point. What are we like just over an hour? So yeah, maybe next time. Yeah, but off the top, I mean, a lot, a lot with gratitude, right? Just having a really oh, positive yes. attitude. I've got I've got a lot of really great uh, practical exercises to help build new neurological pathways in your brain to think more positively and and to develop that that attitude of gratitude's huge too. So there's so much stuff. I, it's kind of drinking through a fire hose right now. So I don't want to overwhelm anybody, but there's there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of really good stuff that's out there. There's so much that we can learn. Yeah. And, and again, it's a continuance. So is there going to be a book number two? A lot of people ask me that. Yeah, I'm thinking about pulling the trigger on that one over the next year or so and, and getting another book out there probably. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you're so knowledgeable and you're obviously continuing to learn and grow to be able to bring this to people. And and like Manly said before, you know, considering the small percentage of Navy SEALs that there are out there. And, you know, the mission of you is really helping people and bringing that training to us, you know, just the, the humble, basic people living out here in the world, you know, not knowing. So thank you for educating us and teaching us something new. Yeah, you're welcome. April, thanks again for having me on the show. This has been, it's been an honor and a privilege for me. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. It's been it's been an honor and a pleasure for for us as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, without further ado, I, I will say goodbye for now and uh, stay tuned until tomorrow. Bye.